0: Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of orinoco For more information about the student ministry, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon.
1: So uh, we're gonna look at two letters tonight and the reason we're combining two of them is that uh, Paul wrote them to the same place. We call them first and second Thessalonians because they were written to a church in a place that's called Thessalonica. It's still a current city today and it's been around for 2000 years. So it's kind of an old place and and, uh, Paul talks a lot in these letters about the future. Here's kind of the situation. He had gone to Thessalonica just a couple years after he left Galatia, which we studied last week. And he preached the gospel, talked about how uh, God had sent Jesus to die for their sins and a bunch of people believed. But he could only stay there for about a month because his presence was causing riots. And so he had to leave and go somewhere else. But uh, really the church was very strong. Uh, If in Galatians we see a Paul that is very angry, in Thessalonians we see a Paul that's pretty well content And it's for good reason. The church was doing well. But they just had this one weird problem, and that's that they had some strange ideas about the future. And whether it was because they were just curious or because a lot of their friends and family had maybe already died, they were thinking a lot about the return of Jesus, which is great. But they started to have some weird beliefs about when's it going to go down and how's it going to happen, kind of like you see in our world today. And Paul knows full well that how we live in the present is going to be impacted by how we, uh, how we view the future. And so he writes both of these letters, First and Second Thessalonians, so that these people will hold on to hope because their lives were not easy. Another reason why some of them were talking so much about the future is because being Christians was causing them to be persecuted. And so they're looking at this going, is there something at the end that's going to make our present sufferings worth it? And so Paul writes both of these letters, First, 1 First Thessalonians, and then just a short time later as a response to their response, 2 Thessalonians. And in both of them, he focuses our attention on the return of Christ and the hope that we have so that we might see the future properly and live in the present well. So lean in and listen as we talk about surrendering to, to the change by being faithful in the present in light of the future.
2: Hey, let me say welcome to Christ Church. My name is Adam, and I'm one of the ministers here on staff. You just heard from Michael DeFazio. He's one of our uh, teaching ministers and a professor at Ozark Christian College. And uh, we get the opportunity to learn from Michael every week. And Michael's going to basically lay out an outline, um, give us a background to every book that we're going to go through. We're going to go through the 13 epistles, the letters that Paul wrote to different churches which makes up a majority of our New Testament. And so we get a chance to learn a lot about what's going on in the New Testament and what is Paul talking about to each of these churches. Um, and very practically, we want to give you those, these applications, of what, what you're able to do from that uh, to how you're able to interpret and apply it to your life. And so we're going to hear from myself and several others, including my friends here on this stage. Uh, before we meet them... Um, I just want to give you guys a little bit more about what this semester is going to look like. Uh, as I said, we're going to go through the 13 epistles, the 13 letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament. Um, and Paul is a guy, if you don't know, is a guy that um, he describes himself as a, the kind of the cream of the crop, the Michael Jordan, as I call it, in the Bible. Like, he's the best of the best. Um, this dude is smart as a whip. He is uh, just... Um, with it. And he wrote, um, before he wrote the 13 epistles, before he was a Christian, he was persecuting Christians. He was killing Christians. And as we learned a couple weeks ago, Jesus meets him face to face as he's traveling to go persecute more Christians. And Jesus is saying, hey, yo, Paul or Saul at that time, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this to me? And Paul is blinded, Um, He goes three days without sight and three days without a meal, and he's just on his knees in prayer, and ultimately he surrenders to the change that Jesus has in his life. And so we're gonna talk about surrendering to the change uh, this whole semester. What does that mean to surrender to the gospel? And so I've asked uh, our speakers tonight to very simply talk about their journey in a snapshot of how they surrendered uh, so we're going to hear about their, uh, who they are and a little bit of their journey. Vanessa, you want to kick us off?
3: Sure. So um, hi, I'm Vanessa. I'm a junior at Ozark Christian College. Um, so my, I guess I would say my moment when I feel like I first surrendered to the change was my sophomore year of high school. Um, I had been going to church for several years at that point, but my family started going a little bit later. Uh, my, my dad came to faith Right before I was in junior high. So we had been going to church for several years, um, but my parents were still kind of figuring things out. It was, um, a lot of it was new for them, and so they never really explained to me what church was, what that meant, what it meant to be a Christian. I didn't really understand the Bible, and so um, my freshman year of high school, I transferred to a private Christian school, which was such a blessing Um, But I remember my sophomore year, we did in our, we had a Bible class every day, and we did a study over the attributes of God, and that was kind of, for me, the first time that I ever really felt like this, like a personal connection to God, and just studying like who He was, and um, it was something that I had to spend time on my own, wrestling through some doubts, and um, spending time in Scripture, and um, just after that, it was church became, it was less of a social thing, before I had always enjoyed going to church, and I made a lot of friends there. I loved the music, and I loved to, like, hang out and see people, but it just wasn't something that really manifested itself in my daily life throughout the rest of the week. So I think just after that, spending time on my own, like, getting to know God and, like, who is God and what does that mean for my life, um, that it just made a huge difference, and I was able to surrender to that.
4: Hi. My name's Galen Lynch. I'm retired, so that probably puts me in the 60 area that Adam was talking about, okay? So, but it's awesome to be here tonight, kids. Uh, Kids, you're not kids, you're young adults. What's the matter with me? But anyway, uh, when I... Yeah, you are kids, I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, I surrendered totally to Jesus Christ in 1988. My boys had wanted to go on a trip with our pastor that was uh, at that time at Burlington Christian Church there in Kansas. And I wasn't really involved then that it, hardly at all. Uh, I knew uh, knew Larry. I you know, I went to church on Sunday and that was it. And the boys would come home from youth group and all excited and was telling their mom about how they wanted to go to the Kaimishi Mountains, where well, that's sound Oklahoma. And just kept bugging her. They didn't say anything to me about that. But they their Mom, my wife, Susan, came to me, and she goes, The boys aren't going unless you go with them. Now, the reason was she didn't trust Larry. <laughs> anyway, so we went, we went down there, Thank and her. it was there on that trip that I went basically because I had to, because my kids wanted to go, but it was a blessing to me because it was down in those mountains that, that I met Jesus. Jesus. It was down in those mountains when I was there kind of supervising and sponsoring that God reached out and touched my heart and changed me and molded me and started shaping me because he's still shaping me even at the age of 60 plus. So, <laughs> so, but, but that's when I gave it. It was 1988. And I just, I look back at that and it was such a huge blessing to me. Because that there is, is the time that I decided Jesus was it. He was all of it. He'd go through you thick and thin. That's awesome.
5: Well, I'm Sarah, as Adam had said before, and um, I am on staff here at the church, a ministry assistant. Administrative job is my job. And um, so I grew up in a Christian home. Both sides of my family were um, in the church. My great-grandpa was a preacher, and my grandpa was a deacon, and my other grandpa was a deacon and served communion and did the offering, and my dad was an elder, and so um, Christianity was something that was always around me. I went to uh, Lutheran school through eighth grade, so I had religion classes and you know memorized the Bible um, most every day of my life, you know. And so, but um, I don't know exactly what triggered it. I, I I've thought about this before, and I don't know what it is except maybe. God's prompting in my heart, but I was about eight years old, and I remember one day, something just overwhelmed me, and I I have this vision of sitting in my mom's lap as an eight-year-old and crying because I was afraid to die, and I was afraid of them dying, and I was mostly afraid of being alone. I didn't want to be alone, and something in my heart said, I was afraid, And I know God didn't put that fear in my heart, but I think there was something in my humanity that put that fear in my heart. And so um, I think God used that to prompt me. And so conversations with my parents and conversations with the elders from the church over pie and ice cream. And I um, just knew that I needed to accept Jesus in my life. And it was really as simple as accepting him and knowing that he said I would never be alone. I wouldn't be alone in this life, and I wouldn't be alone when my parents pass away, and I wouldn't be alone when I pass away. And it was really that simple for an 8-year-old.
0: Hi, I'm Coach. I guess most of you guys know that. We'll just leave it right there. Um, I guess the easy answer on this would be to explain when I was 10 years old in Paxton, Illinois, just about 45 minutes from where she was. Well, she was a lot younger, though. You probably, you know. Never mind i'm not there, but pretty close uh, to Galen, but not quite there yet i 'm still following behind, uh, but th- that would be the easy answer. you know, uh, I remember sitting in the fourth row, and i 'm sure just as I am because it was a Southern Baptist Church, just as I am as a song i 'm sure that was the call to altar song it always was, and uh, but in an emotional outbreak, my dad looked down at me and saw me and said, "You ready, boy?" and for the first time, he stepped out, in the, out out of the pew and stepped back. I'd always followed him wherever he went. But finally, he stepped back, and I, got, I went out, and I took that step. I took that step forward. That would be the easy answer. That's when I really surrendered my life to Christ. Now, the tough answer is that every day I have to surrender to the change. Because, mm-hmm. I mean... I know you guys always say, you you just don't understand, or at least that's all I hear. You just don't understand. Coach, you just don't understand. Hey, I've been in those battlefields with you for, I've been 28 years now. I've been in the battlefields with you guys, and every day I have to surrender to change as well. So when I say surrender to change, that's when I first surrender to change. But every day I see what you guys have to go through. I'm glad I did not have to go through what you guys do. I'm glad I don't live in the cell phone er- I didn't live in the cell phone era and all that stuff and all the temptations that are there. I mean, with all, the, ding- all the, the social media stuff that goes on, I feel bad for you guys. But every day, you have a choice to surrender to change. And I have to do it, and that's what you have to do too.
2: Since Paul surrendered to the change, um, he started writing letters to churches, um, calling them to do the same thing. And for the church in Thessalonica, they were, as Michael described, they were ones that were going through great persecution, going through great turmoil, and wanting, wanting just to get out of the place that they were in. Um, it took, took, takes a lot of faith, you know. It takes a lot of faith in Jesus to be able to say, man, I'm going to be present. I'm going to be faithful in the present in light of the future. I know my hope, I know where I'm going. And so right now, we're talking to Christians. So if you are a believer in Jesus right now, um, that's who we're talking to. But for you guys that haven't made that step, um, don't tune us out because we're gonna talk about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and it's a very important thing to talk about. It starts with faith. It starts with actually Christ's faithfulness to us and then that, because that, that precedes our faith in, in him. Uh, but being faithful is hard um, there's circumstances that, ha- that happen in life that are, are very difficult. Uh, there are things that we have to go through day in and day out, as, as Mike just described, um, that we need to lean in to who Christ is. Um, I'm going to have a couple of you guys answer this question, and it's, it's a hard one. When was a time where, man, it was a difficult situation, but in spite of that difficult situation, you remained faithful or you were called to be faithful?
4: Galen, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was probably uh, the year 2099. We had moved from Burlington, Kansas, back here. Did I say that right? 1999. 2099. no, no, sorry. He's from the future. We're not there yet. It was 19, 19 Whoa. <laughs> Oh, it by the way, Galen's a prophet. Let me gather my thoughts again. So, so I was off a couple of numbers, you know. It was, it was 1999, and we had moved back here to where the where Susan, my wife, and I were originally from. And we came back here, uh, had a good job that I left. I came back to another job that was okay, you know. But, and, but I thought that it was going to last a lot longer than two years. And they shut the plant down where I worked at. And I wasn't going to have a job. And I, had, and I was frantic. I was. I was frantic. And I remember distinctly that I opened up God's word. Not, I, was just, I was just searching. And I opened it up. And it went to Jeremiah 29, 11. Anybody know Jeremiah 29:11? It 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 goes something like this that that I I hold the future. I know the future. I have promises for you and the promises are not to harm you, but he gives us hope and he's to give us hope. And those words and and that's that's a lynch paraphrase, okay? But those words just sunk within me and this burden that I was carrying around it gave me hope. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he had us. He had my family. He, he, he knew what was in front of us. And I leaned even more into God and even more into his word. And you know what? <laughs> it was true. God holds the future for each and every one of us. And he will be right there with us. And he gives us that hope. Jesus gives us that hope for what he has overcome. He overcome the grave. He's, he's alive. He is alive. Mike. I guess, um, you know,
0: five years ago yesterday, I'm, sure it was five. I'm positive. Okay. <laughs> I'm positive. I'll never forget this one. Five years ago yesterday, my dad passed away. And I was mad. I was mad for the mere fact that, you know, he wasn't going to get to see my son play football when he finally was going to get to play some football. And I was mad. I was mad at God. I was mad at the world. I was mad at everybody. For a one year, I was just mad to the point where and I became mean, meaner than normal. Some of you guys, are, he's always mean, you know, but meaner than normal. I mean, to the point where my son, my own son, didn't even like me, told me he didn't like me because of the way I was acting. And it was, I mean, but God has a way of working things out. Because he, he took me, in, and at that same time that, that, that my dad passed away, two, two of my buddies that are at school there, their dad's passed away too in the same year. Now, he, God threw me into the, the comfort and hope mode. I mean, here, you, you start witnessing to these guys. The, I mean, here, you need to tell them what's going on, and what the, it's going to be okay. I didn't believe that at that time. I was mad. God was all in control, and that's what he was showing me the whole time because we had a chance to go to Men's Encounter because I was trying to get these two guys to go to Men's Encounter. You've got to go to Men's Encounter is all I told them. Men's Encounter is something later you guys will get a chance to go. Men, there's a Ladies Encounter as well for the ladies later on. Um, I had an opportunity to get them to go to Men's Encounter, and I know God was involved because every weekend at that time five years ago, I was busy. I mean, I had something every weekend. And I had this kid, this guy that I was, I was witnessing to. You. I said, you need to go to Men's Encounter. He goes, are you going to go? I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll look at my schedule. I said, I'm kind of swamped right now. I'll look at my schedule. If it's open, I'm going. I went over there. Every weekend before, every weekend after was full. That weekend was open. I said, looks like God said we're going to Men's Encounter. So we went to Men's Encounter, and I thought the whole time I was doing them a favor by getting them to Men's Encounter. Little did I know that God was there the whole time, and he had me, and he had, gave me the opportunity to let go. And at Men's Encounter, I had an opportunity to lay in front of the cross. I went in front of the cross, and I wrote my dad a letter, and I told him, I said, Dad, I got to let you go. I said, but I promise you one thing. I will do everything in my power to make sure your family is there to see you again. And that's the hope and the promise that we have. And God, even though I was mad at God, he never let go. He always kept me faithful. He always kept me hoping. What better person to serve than God?
2: That's awesome. Being faithful in the present in light of the future. Uh, Being present is hard. My wife tells me all the time, Adam, I need you here uh, because I'm you know, dreaming about the future a decade later, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, planning everything out. My personality kind of takes over at times. Uh, all of us are uniquely gifted, uniquely wired in, in, a, in, a, in an awesome way that reflects uh, so many different personalities. Um, and sometimes it's hard for us to just be present. I want to hear from a couple of you guys, um, just in regards to your personality, how hard is it to be present in the moment, be with God and be with people? But that's what you think <laughs>
3: um, well I don't I definitely don't have a hard time being with people I love being around people uh, and so I typically stay really busy that's a big part of my personality is I'm always running from one thing to the next and so I just tend to be really selfish with my time of I want to hang out with my friends when I want to hang out with my friends and I want to watch Netflix when I want to watch Netflix and i guess I'll do my homework because I have to uh, <laughs> but so for me I, I think it it's just wanting to be busy and just being really selfish in that sometimes. And um, I don't want to slow down. I don't want to be by myself, even though sometimes those are the things that God's calling me to do. Um, so I just have to try and be intentional about that, even though it's, sometimes it's just the last thing I want to do is be like, oh, well, I guess I have to, like, spend time by myself because, you know, that's what Jesus did, and that's what God calls us to do. But it's not something I want to do always, so.
2: Sarah, what about you?
3: Well, I... I'm not a dreamer like
5: Adam, but I am a planner. It, it makes me good at my job because I plan things. Um, but planning can also be controlling. Makes us a good team too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I manage, I control, I plan, which on the outside can look like really positive traits. You know, when you're taking buses across the country, you know, like that's a really positive thing. But in my planning, I'm not thinking five years ahead like Adam is I'm thinking I know all the next steps in place I know them all and then when I'm in my car driving to church on my way to work I'm thinking about what I'm going to do when I get there and I'm thinking of the next step and the next plan and the next thing um, that's in front of me and it's comforting to know what that next step is um, along the way but I also know there's times that I'm driving to work in my car and I know that God prompts me to call somebody but in my mind I'm like I, I don't have time to call somebody because I have to think through what I'm going to do when I get to work and when I get to work I already have these things that are going to be there when I show up here on a Sunday morning or when I show up in a social environment I have, I have things that I want to do or things that I want to accomplish or things that I need to think about that keep me from listening to the prompts of the Holy Spirit that keep me from being obedient to the prompts of the Holy Spirit because often I hear them I hear what he says but I'm like ah I'll do that I'll do that in a little bit I'll do that when I get there I'll do that and I'm having to learn that I need to stop right then and there and do it because that plan and what he's asking me to do is more important.
2: So being faithful in the present in light of the future. You know, faithfulness is hard. But luckily we have Christ's faithfulness that precedes our faith in him. And the present is, is difficult as well. You know, there's, a, there's this tension that we all feel. And all of us are in the same boat when it comes to it because we all have unique personalities that may cause us to not be present to not be active with where God has us in the current moment. But for those of us that believe in Jesus, that have surrendered to the change, we have hope that is beyond the present. We have hope in the future, hope for eternity. And that is something to be joyful about and it's something to share. It's something to you know, proclaim in our lives, our everyday, mundane, ordinary lives in our work lives, in our school lives, in our home lives, we're able to say, hey, this is not something that's in a distant future that, you know, God's gonna snatch us away from this earth so it'll all be over with. Uh, Whether it's a painful thing that you're going through or maybe it's just, man, I'm just done with high school, you know, and I wanna move on. God has you uniquely wired, uniquely placed in a place where you can be the hope that somebody needs. I wanna have... Just a couple of you, and, and I don't care who it is, but something that God has placed in your heart, just to give a little blurb about the hope that you have and how you're able to share it.
3: Uh, well, for me, when I graduated high school, I looked back and, I mean, I was a good kid in high school, but I looked back and I had a lot of regrets about um, conversations that I didn't have and friendships that... Um, weren't as deep as what I felt like they should have been and felt like I had never really had a lot of accountability as far as my faith with people. And so when I moved into into my college years, um, trying to be more intentional about the relationships I was building and um, and how I was able to affect other people. So I started working at um, a restaurant in town and as a waitress, and nobody there was, like, none of them were church people. And so I um, tried to be really intentional about my witness to them. And so it was really awesome to experience that and, like, for them to look at me and be like, wow, like, you just have so much joy. And, like, you know, where does that come from? And people that would seek me out and ask me questions because they all knew I went to church and was, like, involved in my church. And um, it was just something that, looking back on my high school years, feeling like that was something I didn't do, and then being able to move into a new season in my life um, and trying to be more intentional about that. And now it's, I can look back at my time that I spent there and, like, those relationships that I've built and a lot of awesome conversations that I had, and I just don't have that same feeling of, like, regret and feeling like I missed opportunities, and um, just because I was being intentional and trying to share my hope and my joy that I have because of Christ.
0: I guess, uh, you know, I've, I've been raised in a Christian home my whole life, um, S- Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, my whole life, I was, you know, raised on John three sixteen. You know, and the whole time through, you know I've always believed in that. there's no question about that until I saw a mental picture, and a couple of you guys probably remember this uh, a couple of years ago at move uh Mark Christian was on stage, and he took out this rope. I don't know if you guys you may remember that I don't know, maybe first time you hear this, maybe you were asleep at that time because it was a morning session mark Mark has his hand up was he's back there, I don't know, but uh he took out this rope, and on that rope, you know, he had it segmented off. It was a, The end of the rope was right here when it symbolizes when he was born. And then he had a red marker on that, on that rope, and he said, this symbolizes your life. And he talked about that being there, and he goes, and I'm probably right here or that. And he marked a little bit past halfway because of, you know, and the way things are going now, I keep seeing these people dying at 68 and 69, and I'm a whole lot closer than I was. You know, I, I look at that, and I'm like, whew, I better get busy. I got to make, make my promises done, get, get things going, because, you know, that, I'm getting closer to that red mark. And he talked about that being our life. And then he took out the other end, and then one of the interns had, this, had the other part of the rope. And she started heading out, and I remember Carly she started heading out and at, at Michigan she went up the bleachers she went out the, around up out the door and just kept going and they had a camera on her and she just kept going and kept going and I mean she's almost all the way across the street over at the soccer stadium where they play and she's still going and the camera came back inside and he and Mark goes that's eternity it never stops so as a believer I have a responsibility, and that's why Jesus told his his disciples, you know, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. We have an obligation while we're here to take as many people as we can to that eternity, and that's our job. We get to see people every day. You could probably think about your friends right now that you wish were right beside you right now, but they're not. For some reason, they're not. Pray for them. Bring them in. Bring them in because I know when you go to eternity, you want them to be right there with you if you love them. That's what eternity is all about. Don't go alone. Bring a friend.
2: Be faithful in the present and light of the future. Um, Paul is talking from experience because he surrendered to the change. The question that we have for you, the challenge that we have for you is how are you taking that surrender and impacting the people in front of you, the people beside you, the people at your schools or in your homes. Because we have an opportunity that is beyond anything that we'll ever have ever again in this point of history. There's not another you and there's not another today. There's not another now. Jesus is calling you now. Right now. And that's no fluff, that's no... Man, that's as simple as I could say it. What is Jesus calling you today? How is he calling you to surrender? And we've heard stories from 20-somethings all the way to 60-somethings of being present today, being faithful in light of the future. Mike said it, and, and Galen here in a moment is going to talk about it a little bit more. But one of the ways that we're able to surrender is, is through Prayer. And so we're going to continue our worship service, and I want to challenge you guys um, to make a point to, at some point um, tonight, whether it's through the last song that we're about to sing, uh, to go back uh, to the prayer station, uh, to to write a prayer on behalf of somebody that you've been, you've been praying for, that you know needs to know Jesus. Man, let's lift him up in prayer. Uh, maybe you want to pray with a leader. Maybe you yourself want to surrender the change and and make it a point to say, you know what? Jesus is, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Today, now. I don't want to wait. Uh, let's do that today. Let's do that today. Let's do that now. A beautiful part of surrender is through prayer. And we're going to have Galen uh, just share a little bit about his heart in that.
4: If, if we look at Scripture... And we see that whenever something big was coming at Jesus, he prayed. He spent 40 days and just in solitary with him and his father. And he prayed right before Satan hit him and tempted him and tried to bring him down. But he prayed beforehand. We look at when Jesus, before he went to the cross, he went to the garden and prayed. And prayed so hard that there was sweat drops of blood coming from him. Guys, there's nothing more important that we can do is to pray. And it's not just for one person. It's just not for an elder. It's just not for an adult. It's for each and every one of you. God's made himself accessible through the blood of Jesus that we can go to him we can go right into the throne room of God because of what Jesus done for us and we can stand there before him we can fall on our knees before him and we can cry out to him and he hears every one of our words last night at our prayer group that we have here at the church uh, Jill Head some of you may know her And as we were getting ready to to go into prayer, I asked if anyone had a scripture that they wanted to share with us. And Jill said, yeah. Psalms 5, verse 3. Want to write that down or remember that? It's in in Psalms 5, verse 3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you. And wait expectantly. God hears our prayers. We just got to go to him. He wants to hear from us. He wants to, to know our needs. Even though he already knows them. But when we go to prayer. We're showing God that we are putting our trust in him. Real quick. A couple of stories. There's a man that goes to church here. Um, Royce Nelson is his, is his name. And Royce had leukemia, bone leukemia, and he was dying. And there were prayers that were lifted up for Royce, and he was completely healed. There's a lady that goes to church here, Linda Woodrow, had stage four cancer, was dying. And we started praying for her, lifting her up to God. And she just went back to the doctor here uh, just a, two or three weeks ago. No signs of cancer whatsoever. She's been cancer-free for, I believe, two years now. But it's the power of prayer. It's the power that you can go to your friends, pray before you talk with them, and share Jesus with them. It's something that's right there in the midst of our hands. It's right at the tip of our tongues. If we just do it. If we just do it. I want to pray with all of us. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for this time tonight that we could spend with you in your presence. And Father, as this comes to a close, Lord, I ask that you go with each and every one of these young adults. I pray, God, you give them boldness. I pray, Lord, that that you give them the strength to carry on. That, Lord, that, that they proclaim Jesus Christ to this world that is dying, but that they can have eternal life, Father, through your Son, Jesus. Father, thank you for our Lord and Savior for King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, back here, we have our prayer table. If you want to write someone's name down as we worship here at the last, go ahead and go back here right now. If you want to pray with someone, the leaders are around here. I'm going to be back here. Come and pray with us. We want, it's, it's don't be ashamed. When we hold on to our shame, it just drags us farther and farther down. But the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus.
0: Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.